Ladies and gentlemen, time she is a slippin', and this time we're three years ahead of our last episode in Westeros for House of the Dragon. We've got a lot of stuff to talk about in this third episode of Series 1. I am Natalie Bohensky, the co-host of Raven On, the original and best Game of Thrones era podcast. And with me, as always, is a man who can't stay long. Due to a scheduling error, he's got to go and stab a wild boar about a thousand times. It's Stuart Lange! Hello, Natalie. Hello, everyone. Look, I had a lot of sympathy for the characters this week, Nat, because, I mean, we've all been to barbecues like that. Family barbecues, you know? <laughs> Tempest flare. Dad gets drunk and shouts it at the daughter. You go off and kill a wild pig. I mean, you know, we've all been there. Do you know, in writing my recap, I've been sort of looking and working through this idea of the, you know, the dysfunctional family, but you've summed it up so much better. I'm <laughs> just going, barbecue. Oh, yeah. Okay. We're with you. It's just, it's just a real awkward family barbecue. That's, that's what this is. Writ, writ large. Just with bigger tents. Yeah. Big, bigger tents and bigger fires. Yep. <laughs> uh, how are you, Stu? How did you enjoy second of his name? I had a great time, Natalie. This oh, was did? very, very fun, uh, very, very fun episode. I, I thought so anyway. You know, it took Game of Thrones, the original series, five seasons to give us what House of the Dragon gave us in episode three, which <laughs> is epic dragon battles. Yeah. I was thinking of you when the dragons came. I mean, there's a, there's a touch of dragon at the very start, and I do want to talk about that, but the battle at the end because this episode was over an hour mm. and i think about the last 10 to 15 minutes is all the battle 10 minutes at least and yes, then five yeah, minutes yeah. of setup but yeah so, it's so a- apparently not for, for the impact it has like the battle itself doesn't actually go for for that long but it is it is a, it is a good one they pack it in well you know Stu, what they say about the gunfight at the okay corral in reality it only went for about 30 seconds yes. and then it was over do you remember kevin costner did wired up i think we yes. talked about it uh, in our Robin Hood Prince of Thieves podcast that he, he he went on. That was one of the films he went on to do. But I remember at the time that movie was kind of savaged for being like three hours long and the mm. gunfight at the OK Corral is only about 30 seconds of screen time and Kevin Costner yeah. was saying, well, we wanted to do it what it was like in real life. But everyone was like, but then why make your movie three hours? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> and I think compared to something like Tombstone, which came out around the same time, which I think made it much longer, but most wide movies tend to have this gunfight going for, you know, practically days. Just because a, a fight has an impact doesn't mean it has to be a long fight, you know? A short that's night it. at the theatre is a good night. That's my motto. And that that was another one of those Hollywood situations where there was there was a, uh, two movies that came out at the exact same time about the exact same thing, and one is mm. clearly better than the other. Um, because yeah, Tombstone is a fantastic movie and, and Wyatt Earp is a middling mess. Back to the wild west of Westeros. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) Um, we would, I just don't want to tangent us too quickly before we uh, get onto the battle. But this episode, I was worried that this would be kind of seen as maybe another boring episode, like as I was watching it, because I was enjoying it. I always do, but I was like, oh, it's a bit more family dynamics kind of an episode and then bam at the end 10 15 minutes battle <laughs> dragons death well you, you're right cut in half, heads being cut off you know that's so it I was like, the well, episode is bookended with dragons i'm not sure what else you want from a show called house of the dragon i mean come yeah. on <laughs> i'm just i'm i'm thinking overthinking it Stu. i'm overthinking it <laughs> clearly i'm just worried that people are going to start going well, Lord of the Rings is better. Ooh. I haven't seen well, I mean, that, the Lord of the, the Rings that's yet. The, um, 
Yeah. Oh, I was going to say, have you seen the new Lord of the Rings show? I, I have. I and have I not. quite liked it. You did? Yeah, yeah. I thought mixed, it was, yeah. I've seen mixed things. I've seen sort of some people being like, ooh, it's so much better. And other people going like, well, so I was going to say, have you, have you actually seen mixed reviews or have you seen a bunch of racists uh, writing online is, is the, is the no? question. Um, I don't because know. That seems to be, you know, I, I'm probably being unfair to people who have legitimate criticisms of, of the Lord, the new Lord of the Rings show. But yes, I mean, like, there's been a, it's been review bombed because, of course, it has on Rotten Tomatoes and and some other sites. Amazon obviously has like ratings for things, and it got it got review bombed on Amazon. Um, uh, what, for, what for people review- for people like yourself, Natalie, who, who apparently don't know what review bombing is, um, basically people who don't like something about a show, for example, it might have a woman uh, as as the main character or yeah, a person we'll of color, uh, various we'll things. I mean, you know, hey, um, like, and not, they let's will be real. We don't want women. <laughs> you and I both agree. Can't trust them. They're emotional. Yeah. Anything other than a straight white male is obviously you, uh, the woke you, brigade gone mad. You so can't give, they, you can't give women an internal life, Stu. They don't have one. All right? <laughs> they, they just, just want to clean a house and voids. have a baby. Okay, that's all mm. they want. All right, let's let them get on with the job. That's it. A, a theme okay? which is surprisingly pertinent to this episode of House of the Dragon. But see, we'll, we'll see what I was there. doing there. See indeed, what I was doing there? indeed, mm. indeed. I did see. Um, but. Uh, Basically, review bombing is is if a large group of people get together and give like a a, a movie or an episode of a TV show, uh, you know, zero or, or one star reviews, um, or like extremely negative reviews on mass to drive its overall score down, as if somehow people don't immediately understand that's exactly what's happening and that was, it's meaningless. I was just about to say, are they yeah. not aware that 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 people would probably look at that and go, "Gee, there seem to be a lot of." Zero yeah, not, not only not only do people not only do people like immediately realize that's what's happening. Sites like Rotten Tomatoes are now putting measures in place to stop it from happening because it's now happening so much because there's that many reactionary idiots online who will just decide they don't like a show and without even watching it just sort of go and, you know, give give negative reviews to things. It's it's ridiculous. I don't mean to both sides this, but I can very much see this as a tactic of both more left-leaning people and right wing-leaning people, right-leaning people. Like uh, I well, I mean, the, the, actual, the specific phenomenon of like review bombing TV shows and movies and things is almost entirely a reactionary right-wing thing. Just, oh, just, right. to, just so to point that out. Like there, there, there's no like far left mob moving to like review bomb a show. Like I can't even think of the show they would review bomb. You know what I mean? Like I'm no, sitting no, there going, no, what no. would that even be? No, no, no. I just, in describing what you've just described, the closest that I'd heard about is in the young adult literature scene. I, I'm aware vaguely that there's like drama in the, the young adult literature the, scene at the moment. Yeah, that, that, that people who are putting books forward that, that in like have metaphors for like vampires and werewolves, other people will say, oh, no, this is a racist narrative, even if they haven't read the book. And it's like just because it involves vampires and werewolves, they're all standing in for people of colour and that kind of thing, which I think is sure. yeah. taking metaphor maybe a bit too literally sometimes. Like, <laughs> maybe it's just a story about vampires and werewolves. I don't know. Uh, but, yeah, okay, so that's, yeah, that's clarified that for me a bit because that's that's really weird and strange. And if you don't like something, you can just not consume it. Have they thought about it? Yes, well, well you you would think so. You would think so. I think I think everyone would be would be a lot happier if we sort of internalized that message of, you know, like it's it's all very well to discuss and and critique and and deconstruct pieces of of pop culture. That's fine. Oh, that's yeah. that's literally what we're doing right now. But 
Exactly. You know, there, there's a lot of people out there whose entire presence online is is devoted to just ripping down basically everything, and it just is exhausting. I don't I don't know yeah. how you would live your life like that. But anyway, is it because it's the big fifty million dollar fifty million fifty billion dollar one billion dollar? I mean, uh, like yeah, the, the the Rings of Power has a big target on its back because it is such a giant. For first of all, because it's Tolkien and. There is a, a small but vocal subsection of fandom that are just the worst when, when it comes to Tolkien. But it's also, yeah, it is the fact that it's literally the most expensive show ever made. I think they spent nearly a billion dollars on this season of television. You know, and to be fair, like like, like a lot of it's on the screen. Like, like they, they spent $250 million just getting the rights, but a lot of the rest of that money seems to have made it onto the screen because it looks amazing. $250 um, million on the rights. Just to get the rights. Two, and I, I really need to stress this because a lot of people don't seem to realize this, what they bought was the appendices to the Lord of the Rings, right? So the not 200... the Lord of the Rings, not the Silmarillion, which is Tolkien's like big Bible, basically, of, of the history of Middle-earth from the creation of the world up until, you know, beyond the Lord of the Rings, they bought the appendices. So the very, the very brief, broad, broad, broad brushstroke history of Middle Earth that is in the back of the Lord of the Rings. That, that's what they bought for $250 million. But wouldn't that have been sold with the original Lord of the Rings? There's some strange rights thing. I'm, I'm not totally sure why exactly that was up for, for grabs, but that's what they bought. That's what Amazon bought. And so they, they can use characters like... Galadriel, but I don't know whether we're ever going to see her husband Celeborn, which we who we see in the Lord of the Rings, but who I can't remember whether or not is actually mentioned in the in the appendices. So we might we may never actually see him. He'll just so be he'll if, just be standing just off, off screen. So if uh, they're not mentioned in the appendices, they I, don't I think exist. it's like a grey area. Like if they're mentioned in the Lord of the Rings, they might be okay. But if they're only mentioned in the Silmarillion, then I think they're off limits. Which is several important characters that they need to sort of deal with. So they're kind of flying in a really weird in-between space. It's very strange what they're doing. But having said all that, I quite enjoyed the first two episodes. I think Morford Clark as Galadriel is really good. There's a lot of cool uh, setup that's been done in the first two episodes that were released. I think it's good. I think it's interesting. So they, they released two. They released two. Yeah, we were talking last week about whether they'd released two at once, and, and it turns out they did. So they, they released two, and I'm, I'm glad because they, they are really taking their time. We, we talked about how the first two episodes of House of the Dragon sort of take their time to sort of set everything up, but they are relentless thrill rides compared to the first two episodes of The Rings of Power, which is taking a very <laughs> leisurely, high, 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 high fantasy uh, approach. Which again, I'm not, you know, closed <laughs> off to. I, I don't yeah. mind it. It's yeah. just two different shows doing two different things. Do but you, it is it is interesting to note the difference. From my memory of the Lord of the Rings, the Peter Jackson series, and I know he's not involved in this one, but have they kind of aped that sort of soft ethereal style where sometimes whole scenes scenes seem to be in slow motion? Like they they seem to that they want to evoke the spirit of the Peter Jackson Lord of the Rings films while remaining legally distinct from them. Um, <laughs> they are, it is a fascinating tightrope that they're walking because, yeah, you're right. Like, like okay. they, they want to, it is in their interest to be as close as they possibly can to those beloved films. And yet, like, again, like legally, they cannot be the same. And, and legally, while this is technically set before the events of the Lord of the Rings movies, this is technically not a prequel because it's, it is legally distinct from, from Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings, if that makes sense. Like, this is how you have to talk about this. Like, it's just, it's this insane mire of, of, 
conflicting IP um, lawyers and, and stuff. It's insane. Do you think that they will get the response worth the billion dollars? Because well, I think, I think they already have. I think 25 million people had already watched the first two episodes as of the first day they were up. So so way more than, like I think House of the Dragon had 10 million on the first day and Lord of the Rings had 25 million. So they're already, they're already punching above their weight. Whether they mm. stick around is another question because I think House of the Dragon built its audience episode one to episode two. Oh, did it? Um, I hadn't yes, checked that. Yes, it did. Oh. Um, so the, like House of the Dragon, on top of having a really strong opening, is generating some word of mouth buzz. Whether that happens with Lord of the Rings, I mean, it's all anyone was talking about online over the weekend. So, mm. you know, who knows? I, I think it will probably build for episode three and then it will entirely depend on how well episode three is received. But let's get back to House of the Dragon. Do we want to do our minute challenge Let's do uh, of course. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You go first because um, I went first last week. Yes, okay, great. Um, well, the first item on my minute challenge was Dragon Battles, <laughs> which we talked about briefly, but which we can get into here, I guess. Um, as you say, it was bookended with Dragon Battles, uh, and but we, we see demonstrated here, as it was in Game of Thrones, that the dragons are not necessarily a instant win, you know? Like, mm. they're very good to have, they're very good yeah. to have, but they don't guarantee you a victory. In, in fact, with, when the episode opens, uh, the combined uh, sort of Targaryen, uh, Valarian forces are having their asses handed to them. <laughs> Mm. Um, they're not doing well at all. They're, they're having a lot of trouble trying to root out the crab feeder and his men. And the dragons just aren't working because they retreat to the caves as soon as they appear on the horizon, which is honestly very smart, like guerrilla tactics against an overwhelming air superior force. Um, yep. you know, lots of, lots of historical precedent for that. Yep. It's a little uh, bit Vietnam, Stu. Let's all, a little let's bit, just all say a it. little bit. I love the smell of dragon breath in the morning. <laughs> There is there down. is a little bit of the, of the firebombing about the the dragon strafing, you know. It's 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 interesting. Yeah. But of course, we get this awesome awesome uh, scene at the end then, where Damon insulted either that I, I couldn't put my finger on whether he was angry that Viserys had I sent to ask help you this at all. Too. Was this he angry that Viserys point. had sent help at all, or was yes. it that Viserys had only sent what was it like thirty ships or something? And he's like, "That's not going to be enough, dude." Like. He'd sent 2,000 men and, yeah, maybe 30. But it, it did seem less, considering that in Game of Thrones, like Tywin Lannister is commanding a host of 20,000 soldiers. Having said that, when you've got ships, you have to put men on the ship so it doesn't move quite as quickly as a land army, I assume. Yeah, but I yeah. had the same reaction is he's lost his bottle. So just setting it up, they're all having a, a discussion. All of the Valyrians are having a discussion around their, you know, oversized chessboard. Um, with all of the battle pieces that they can move around. And I just want an interview. I want to see one day, like 10 minutes of an episode, just devoted to the guy whose job it is, is to carve all of the battle pieces that they can arrange on their giant war map, their tabletop gaming pieces. That's (laughs) that's all I want is a guy going, okay, so I'm going to need 12 sea snakes and then I'm going to need five (laughs) dragons, maybe one spare. Uh, so they're doing all that. They're having they're having a talk of strategy and what they're going to do, talking about how they're running out of resources. They've got 60 knights, about 700 soldiers, 15 ships or so, and not enough food. Uh, they can last two, maybe three weeks. Damon turns up and they're discussing they need to kind of bring these crab men, the, the, mm. the triarchy, out of the caves so they can get them with the dragons. Who are they going to send in? Damon. 
one of the uh, well, um, Corliss's brother, whose name is Vaymond. Vaymond. Uh, yes, yeah. <laughs> uh, everybody loves Vaymond. <laughs> Sorry, well, I'm writing that. Corliss very well. specifically does not love Vaymond in this. Yeah, because he he gets all cranky and starts yelling out, "If if if King's Landing is not going to support Damon Targaryen, why should we?" And Corliss is like, "I will not have you sowing revolution." Then Damon rocks up. And then immediately Viserys's, uh, what do you call them, heralds, messengers, soldiers, they rock up and mm. say, hey, here's a message. Damon reads it, pauses. There's this really long pause on his face. Like he looks up to the left, he looks to the right, mm. looks down, and then he proceeds to beat the shit out of the messenger. <laughs> yes. And so I had the same thing. It's like, oh, maybe Viserys has said, actually, I'm not sending anything after all. And then you cut to Damon in a rowboat by himself and the voiceover is Viserys going, look, brother, I know we've had some tough times and we haven't been on good terms, but I'm sending you some guys because I mm. don't want you to die because you're my bro, bro. And then Damon decides to launch a sort of a one-man revolutionary attack to draw out all of the uh, the crabs out of the caves. Now, I had the same thing as used to. I was like going, what actually was he angry about? And the best resolution I can get to is that he was annoyed that his brother was coming in to save him, that he his Big Brother was coming in to clean up the mess he started. Yeah, that, that, that's, that was where I sort of landed. I was like, oh, okay, I, I think he's angry. My, my initial thought was that because the, the, the amount of ships and men sounded n- like not enough, like a token force. And, and the idea that – I and, and where, I, where I sort of landed with that was I was like, okay, so he's angry because not only is his brother saving him, but he's he's not – He's not doing it properly. Do you know what I mean? Like, like he's he's yeah. sending like a token army to to come in when the battle's almost won, and then he'll be able to claim all the credit for it. Ah. And so Damon's like, Damon's like, no, thank you, not not on, not on my watch. Not after three years of fighting in the mud and sand. Like we're going yeah. to we're gonna we're gonna finish this one way or another right now. And so he must have then agreed to the crazy plan. To and so then the he does. Boat. Having having said all that, does Matt Smith say a single word in this episode? He says at the very start, "Come out, Draga, show yourself." Oh, he does. Yeah, Come that's and right. Face yeah, me. Yeah. But that's it. In the battle, he's like wordless yeah. the whole but, time. Yeah, he, he's wordless when he reads the message. It, it's all it's all face work. You know what I mean? Like yeah. like Matt Smith's like acting the crap. He like those those eyebrows are going up and down. Yeah, it's all you know, close it's, up, close up, yeah. close up kind of stuff. It's when delicious. This, I love it. When they play this clip at the Emmys, it'll just be Matt Smith award for acting and it'll just be him looking, staring, turning, <laughs> looking again, <laughs> sighing, sighing some more, looking determined, thin mouth. You know, <laughs> what, what do you call that when someone sets their jaw? Like, you know, grr. Yeah. Sets their jaw, is that the term? Uh, I think so, yeah, yeah. Grits their teeth. Grits their teeth, sets their jaw. That's the that's the phrase. Clenches their jaw, is that what you mean? Clenches their jaw, bit of jaw clenching, bit of nose work, furrowed mm-hmm. brows. Yeah, not nostrils flaring. Displeased ears. Um, <laughs> the whole shebang, it's all in the face. But, yeah, so he decides to go in and then does a switcheroo, flying the flag of peace, one assumes, that the white flag in this world is mm. also for peace, uh, holding out his sword, bending literally on his knees, holding up his sword. Someone comes up to him, then boom, stabs him in the gut and then proceeds to, what are your legs? Steel springs. What are they going to do? <laughs> Propel you down the track. <laughs> he totally Gallipolis that shit. <laughs> he absolutely does. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's a very good poll, actually. That's fantastic. I love it. <laughs> That's one for the kids. Uh, go and uh, there was a time when Mel Gibson was not problematic. Well, I mean, he maybe he well. was but publicly. <laughs> 
publicly we loved him as a country and claimed him and uh, Gallipoli was was the movie where he had to run fast as did the uh, other chap mm. who uh, whose name I've forgotten because he didn't go on to be Mel Gibson <laughs> but yeah they had to they, they, they just Gallipoli it's just, just quickly run 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 kill kill run run kill kill and he does really well and then he gets shot by a couple of arrows uh, but then the cavalry turn up Corliss and his men turn up you know, question- in a way that I was actually like well where, where were they but but it's fine like whatever it's all good <laughs> oh, you know what this is the this is the thing with the dragons too it happened in the no it happened then is when you you just the flame comes out of nowhere it happened in game of thrones as well when there just be stuff would happen and then all it of a did, sudden yeah. you see the flame before you see the dragon and you're like how did nobody like, notice the loud yeah you know, how did no one notice the dragon especially because in this case like we you. get multiple Fog shots of, of the crab yeah that's Fog right but war. we get multiple shots of the crab feeder specifically looking for the dragons right yeah, that is true. he's looking like he's he's like this is a trick i know this is a trick they're there somewhere. Where are they? You know, he's constantly looking. He's sending out, he's not sending out all his men at once. He's sending out some men, some more men. You know, he's not committing all his forces straight away. He knows something's up and he, they still get, they still get ambushed. Yeah. There's, there's, that's his acting. He did all face acting too. Cause he never spoke. All his acting was face acting. It was all creepy looking over his shoulder, mm. looking over the other shoulder, turning up to look at the sky, showing off his really bad dandruff, turning back getting some head and shoulders, giving it a bit of a shampoo, <laughs> getting some Selsun B5 just to comb through, trying to work on that eczema and psoriasis issue that he has. Do you think that was grayscale <laughs> in the end? Because you mentioned that last week and I think maybe, maybe. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't know if it, if it is, but if like, he had it doesn't matter now, it doesn't matter now. The guy's dead. Yeah. And, and he had three years since we first saw him and I can't remember if it sort of went worse, but I think that grayscale kind of was a, acted much faster than three years. Yeah, he should be a, like a weird stone monster That's by this right. stage. Yeah, so he was so very pro- So probably just a skin condition. Yeah, maybe he had crabs. <laughs> <laughs> That's what that, that's what that uh, nickname secretly meant and it always just annoyed him <laughs> when people would say that. So God, he had to go it. out and find a better reason to be called the crab feeder. So he <laughs> yeah, yeah he's a, like... A torturer of men. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, he's dead now, so he'll be replaced by Johnny Gonorrhea. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I decided to become an actor because everyone would always call me the clap because my name is Johnny Gonorrhea. <laughs> so at least I can say they call me the clap for my wonderful acting performance. <laughs> Oh, Lordy, I haven't even drunk any alcohol. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, so the the armies, as they have want to do in Westeros, they're able to turn turn up without tipping people off. But then the dragons show up anyway. So how did the dragons, did Damon know that the dragons were going to be coming soon and he had to act if they've sent, because he didn't mention dragons. Viserys didn't mention dragons in the letter. No, no, but but the the, the dragons... Are with them anyway, like so. He has Caraxes, that that's his big red long neck boy. Yeah. The other dragon is uh, Sea Smoke, which is ridden by Leno Valarian, um, who is one of the little kids. Uh, he's the son of of Corlys. Um, Wait, what? So we saw him. We saw him in the last episode as he he's the brother of 
Um, of Lena. Of Lena. Yeah. Um, who I think is, they're twins. Who was 12. Yeah, twins? yeah. They're, 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 I think he's slightly older. Oh, okay. Um, or she might be slightly older. I can't remember. I don't think they're twins. but It would be yeah, better they're, if they're, they're both They're both dragon riders and, and his dragon is Sea Smoke, which we saw I in didn't episode. know they were dragon riders. Was that explained? Not really. Um, I assume they'll, they'll make it more explicit uh, next time because they've aged him up. Um, so he's now his older self. Yes, um, because obviously they've moved forward three years in time. Uh, three years, so. yeah, yeah. So, so episode episode one to two took us uh, forward six months. Uh, episode two to three took us forward uh, three years. Yes, um, but so if, he, be... if she was 12 and then he was maybe a year or two older, 14, at age three years, that puts him at the same age as Rhaenyra. Uh, yes, yes. Yeah. And, and he is suggested, so he is suggested as a potential match for her. Well, I'll, yeah, we'll uh, get to that. But yeah. my point is, why didn't they just, like, she aged three years but didn't age up yet. They haven't aged her up yet, but they aged him up. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Like, why didn't sure. they just have him being, why didn't they just make him up to look a bit, younger but keep that same actor that he is now well because he's quite young like he's only like 12 or 13 in the first couple of episodes no and no i, no, think, I know but i, I don't they think just... they're using three episodes uh three three actors i don't think they're using like an intermediate actor that's what i mean so why didn't they just start him a bit older and keep that actor because if he's gonna end oh up no with i beg your pardon they are using three yeah i just i quickly double checked are they? they are using three so he, he was played by a, a matthew carver as a child Theo Nate in this episode as a teenager, and then he'll be played by John McMillan as an adult. All so right, spo- spoilers, he doesn't die in the next episode. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I wondered about that. I think I think the I Valerians, I think he and his sister um, both use three um, actors because they they have an awkward... They're a lot younger than Rhaenyra. Rhaenyra. Okay. Um, and and uh, Alison, but they're, they're not... like that. They, they will become adults over the course of the series, so they need to be... Yeah, so, so they'll be they'll Shoot, be part of things, but we yes. are deep into actual soap opera territory here. We sure are, <laughs> and, we, we and, are and very literally, like like an episode later, suddenly we've recast. We are deep into Ridge and Brooke on Bold and the Beautiful, having a kid, <laughs> and then a year later, that kid is going into college and having affairs. Like, yeah. this is what's happening. Yeah. And meanwhile, Ridge and Brooke still look about forty years old, and all of a sudden, they've got great grandchildren. <laughs> Because they have kids who age up one year takes 20 years. No, 20 years takes one one year in soap opera time. They, they do it by sending them off to school. They're like, oh, they've gone off to high school, boarding school. Well, they've got off on summer camp. And then they come back and it's like some buff dude. He's like, hey, mom, I'm 18 now. <laughs> yeah, there's always, a, there's, there's always a, a break that they could justify some sort of transition happening. Yeah. Even if yeah, within yeah, the, yeah. in the universe of the show, it's only been like a week. Yeah. Suddenly it's like, You've no, I'm, I'm, so a, act, I'm a, I've just aged 10 years. My eye colour has changed. My entire physical being has changed. <laughs> uh, so, yes, that's going to happen again. So, so uh, just to confuse things even further, this isn't even the final version of uh, Lenor Valerian uh, that we're going not, to see. We will see a second, a third I version. Did not, didn't Caller say that he did not have dragons? That the Valerians didn't have dragons? So how come his kids are dragon riders? Because... Answer that, No, no, because because their mother is Rhaenys Targaryen, and so they are natural dragon riders. Oh, oh, of course. Okay. (laughs) I take it back, Stu. I take it back. (laughs) You almost stumped me there. I'm like, hang on, why are they dragon riders? And it's like, oh, because they're Targaryens. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're Targaryens as well. I. And that's why they want them to marry houses. Cause exactly, know, yes, exactly. Yeah. They, they unite the houses. They're strong yeah. Valyrian stock. The yeah. second item on my list, uh, if, we fin- if we finish talking about the battle, although we can, we can definitely talk about it some more. Oh, look, it was a big battle. 
Uh, it it was a big battle, with the, lots of um, dragons. It, it ended with the dude being cut in half, crab feeder. Like literally Damon slices yes. him and drags his upper portion with the intestines spewing out. <laughs> uh, yeah. And I was like, cool, all right, well, that guy didn't really need to get to know him. Uh, so that, that answers your question from last episode, which was, uh, I wonder if he'll be the big bad of the season. The answer is <laughs> no. No. No, happy. he will not be. Very happy. Well, it's funny because they were obviously uh, they were obviously playing around with that. They were like, "Oh, maybe he will be the big bad of the set." Lol, lol, no, he's not. He just died. Mm. No, that's that's great fun. Yeah, so that's maybe good we fun. get to meet the big bad, or maybe the big bad was in us all along. Indeed, indeed. Back to your list, um, you. The next <laughs> item on my list was fire and blood for both Rhaenyra and Daemon. The the Targaryen uh, words are fire and blood, and uh, both of them have both fire and blood as their theme of this episode, which I thought was really interesting. I, th- I feel like that has to be deliberate. Both of them in their respective stories covered in blood having passed through flame. How did... Well, I mean, like, R- Rhaenyra kills the boar by the side of the bonfire. Oh, and, okay. And uh, Damon obviously, like, kills the crab feeder uh, covered in his blood while dragons roast <laughs> enemy soldiers around him. Okay. Did she actually go into the fire? No, no, she didn't go into the, into the fire, but I feel like there was there was thematic thematic. Fire it's more thematic fire. No, thank you, Stu. <laughs> it's more, more for ambiance. I'm going to steal that immediately. Please do, please do. Yeah. Both of them uh, end up covered in blood. Viserys, was... quite tellingly, does not get his hands dirty. Uh, he no. does kill. He does kill a stag that's held still for him, but he doesn't yep. get any blood on himself uh, and yep. walks away and is faintly disgusted by the whole thing. He is, um, and I have a lot to say about yes. uh, Viserys and his his uh, I, killing action. I look forward but, to that because I didn't have Viserys on my list, but I thought it was really interesting that, um, yeah, that, that I, I feel like that has to be deliberate, that both Rhaenyra and Damon both yeah. had, like, blood-splattered visages in this uh, thing. I, I want to say to you now, though, Stu, does it make me a bad person if I say that um, Rhaenyra strolling back in to the campsite with the boar, getting mm. off her horse and just walking back to the tent like blood-soaked was kind of hot? Uh, look, it wasn't not hot, Nat. I'll say that, I'll say that for it. Um, <laughs> it was obviously meant to make a statement and boy, how he did it. Like, you know. like Matt, Matt Damon walking out with the thing is kind of like, was kind of terrifying. <laughs> um, and kind of cool whereas uh Rhaenyra was just like fuck you fuck you fuck all of you and then there were a mm-hmm. couple of the dudes a couple of like the big fighting dudes kind of looking at her going like yeah and I was like I get it I get it a, a couple of, a couple of them looked vaguely disgusted and then a couple of them were like I'm into this <laughs> yeah, <super> into it. <laughs> because you know she could like there was a lake there she could have possibly washed I mean she obviously washed the blood off her face but uh, left it all through her hair and on her neck and on her hands and stuff. And I was like, all right, girl, she's making a point. Yeah, And that absolutely. point is don't mess with me. <laughs> you're, all the, you're all the law. And that's before she even knows that Viserys sort of comes back to, to you know, recommit to making her his, his heir. And that's her making a statement like, guys, I can be queen because this boar right here, I killed this boar. <laughs> that's a wild pig that's a wild boar <laughs> yeah <laughs> call back to Robin absolutely if you have not listened to that uh, podcast go back um Stu, back to your list the next item on my list is uh the white stag um again a lot of symbolism white heart the white heart rather yes um mm. obviously a lot of um a lot of symbolism uh involved there uh 
killing killing the the king of the Kingswood is considered uh, good luck. Viserys's men can't even find it. Although they, I was I was thinking it was interesting. I was I was thinking that finding the White Heart was going to have been engineered by House Hightower at some stage, like like to to set up a, a portent for Aegon's like yeah. status as as the heir apparent. Um, it definitely seemed that way. Yeah, like, like it was like they were setting it up, like, like they had one in a crate out the back that they were going to release at the appropriate time. And no, it just turns out like they, they had heard, they, they were telling the truth, like they'd heard that they, it had been sighted. Mm. They couldn't find one, so they just found the biggest stag they could find, and Viserys killed that instead. Rhaenyra, tellingly, uh, did not uh, kill the White Hart. Uh, they sort of did that nod in what was, I mean, we, I know we've made like comparisons of this show to The Crown in the past. And there's an episode of The Crown in the most recent series of The Crown where the entire British royal family tries and fails to kill a stag, um, wow. only for it to eventually be killed by Princess Diana. <laughs> um, oh my God. I'm not sure what, what, what parallels we can draw there. But then there's also the, uh, the movie The Queen, uh, which is uh, starring Helen Mirren and made by the same creator who, made, who eventually went on to make The Crown. It was sort of the, the test run for the, the whole concept. That has a, a prominent scene in it where Queen Elizabeth sees a stag on the, on the moors of her, of her Sandringham estate. Right. Uh, yes, there, 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 there's a lot do, of, yeah. Do we need to talk about how much royal content you're consuming? Because I'm a woman and I have seen none of these. I, I've, I've seen The Crown, an incredibly popular Netflix show. Are you? <laughs> I know. I'm just, I'm mocking. I'm mocking myself mostly because I've still not seen The Crown. Um, but I do know that uh, Greg from the Smart Enough to Know Better podcast is a massive fan of The Crown as well. And I'm like, what is it with all the nerd dudes? It's super getting into The Crown. But I haven't seen well, The Queen Well, because either. it scratches the exact same itch as, as this show, Natalie, which is a lot of political scheming amongst royal families. Yeah, but they're all toffs and you like they're all you know like oh I'm anorexic and oh <laughs> I'm you know brought up without feeling and sensitivity and I have no emotion and I don't care and oh our honeymoon is on a yacht with seventy other people and I don't I don't know that's just what I know about Charles and Daisy. It also <laughs> it also uh, bizarrely that show also features a performance by Matt Smith as a petulant prince who causes yeah. trouble for his family. Yeah. Uh, so you know. Oh, it's definitely typecasting there. I get you. I'm with you. <laughs> I'm with you all the way. My parallel, because I had that on my list as well, I had lots of animal metaphors. Ah, yes. Uh, see White Heart, which, by the way, I just checked. A heart is just another name for a stag. So it, yes. you were right. It's just a slightly more Dutch word, apparently. No, but you're right. They, they do refer to it as the, as the White Heart. Yeah, well, you know, it sounds more poetic than stag. Indeed. Uh, we're going out to find a white stag and then we're going to get on a bus and go to the valley and wear penis-shaped headbands and <laughs> slashes and it's our stag do. No, wait, that's a hen's night. You know what I'm saying. Why do men get stag and women get hen? Why don't women get a hind, just, which is like Just another hen? another another victim of the patriarchy. Yeah, well, hey, can I do my patriarchy joke now? Please, I'll do please my patriarchy do. joke now. See, <laughs> while Damon is off fighting the triarchy, Rhaenyra is fighting the patriarchy. <laughs> it took you a while, but I appreciate your laugh. Thank you. I, I did. I did get there. I did get there. <laughs> Thank you. But the so what it reminded me of is go with me on this. George Orwell. George Orwell wrote. He he spent the early part of his life before he became George Orwell. His name is Eric Blair. He was in the um, 
military service for the British Empire back in, I think, the early 20s. And he mm. was stationed in Burma, as was Myanmar, Burma. And he hated it. He, he was part of this empire machine that he hated, that everyone hated him. And, you know, but he was supposed to be the, the white man. He was supposed to kind of be calm and not be excited and, you know, look like he knew what was going on. And uh, he talks about having to go and shoot an elephant that had gotten um, out of control very briefly and crushed a man, like stomped on a man who died. And his idea was just, I'm just going to find the elephant because elephants apparently, according to his story, they they will just have a moment where they'll just go blah and they'll go for a bit of a rampage and then they quieten down and they're like chill. And if they have a handler, the handler can normally, you know, take care of them. But in this case, the handler wasn't there. Elephant got out, crushed a man, whatever. So Eric Blair, George Orwell, grabs his gun which is just a little rifle, goes down, finds this elephant, they all find it, and the whole town kind of follows him and they all kind of look at him expectingly going, oh, the elephant's going to get shot. This is great. We're all going to be able to get, you know, strip <laughs> the elephant and get the get the meat. And he was like, this elephant is fine now. I don't want to shoot it because it's fine. It's just going to walk around until the handler comes back. It's not a danger anymore. But now this weight of expectation is on me hmm. and I have to shoot this elephant. So he has to ask someone to go and get an elephant rifle, which is a much bigger gun, and he shoots the elephant. It doesn't die. So then he has to shoot it again. It doesn't die. But it's like it's definitely not living. It's now in pain and screaming. And yes. so he goes up to it with his gun and he shoots it in the throat trying to get and shoots. tries to shoot it in the heart with his rifle. It's still not dying. And so then he just leaves and he, heard, <laughs> he, and he, he writes about how I heard it took it half an hour to die. And then in the afternoon, all the villagers just stripped it full of full of meat. In the end, he didn't get in trouble or anything. Like the Indian guy who owned it was upset that he lost his elephant, which is very valuable, but it had stomped a man. So yes, yeah, so he's like, oh, well. Could, and also it belonged to an Indian. So this is British Empire. They were like, yeah, yeah soz, but uh, too bad, so sad. And he had all these other men going, well, you did the right thing. Or, oh, well, you should have just left it. Um, because, you know, it, it only killed an Indian, so that doesn't really matter. Uh, and, you know, he had these two different opinions. Yeah. It was like, oh, my God. And he finishes by saying, I wonder how many of them knew that I shot the elephant just to avoid looking like a fool. Mm. Um, because because he was under, there was everyone there going, well, you're the white man, you, you deal with it. And he was like, I've got to do this because that's the expectation. And that was what came back to me with Viserys kind of there with this heart tied yeah. down struggling and he looks so resigned like he did not look like he wanted to kill this heart even though he'd been saying that he wanted to go he was I'm going hunting it's going to be great I'm going hunting but confronted with the reality of it you know that wasn't sporting that wasn't well Viserys isn't really an outdoorsman he'd rather be inside playing with his model trains like that's the yeah exactly yeah he is a geek and you're taking him out into the sunshine and making him do sport like Come on, Stu, the worst, right? Yeah, the, the worst, totally. <laughs> Although you're a rugby league guy, so I don't know, maybe you're like a keen sportsman. And you I, I mean, I, I've played sports in my time, but I'm, I've, no, I, was, I would not consider myself a sportsman, no. Right. Uh, so, yeah, so it, it just was this sort of everyone standing there going, well, you're the king, you now have to, you know, spear this heart, this amazing, beautiful creature that is tied down and struggling. It's not a fair fight. You know, it, it has been captured and presented to Viserys to kill for a good omen, but he he has to be pointed out where to kill it. You know, he has to go right here, sir, right here. And then, oh, you have to do it again a little bit to your left. And he does it again. And he just does not look 
happy at all. And I actually, in the moments of him stepping up to it, I was expecting him to maybe go, you know what, I'm going for a good omen in honour of my son. I'm going to let this heart live as a, as a, I'm like going to pardon the heart or something like that. And then that's what Rhaenyra mm. does. Rhaenyra is the one who goes, no, don't kill it. Let it, let it go. She sort of understands its majesty and its need to be free and its position yeah. to be, because that's what she sees in herself. You know, she says, I don't want to be married. She doesn't want to be married off. She wants to be free like the, like the white heart and mm. she respects it. She respects its power. She respects its dignity yeah. and she uh, sees it as an equal, not as something that has to be conquered. So that's all my metaphorical uh, critical analysis of that moment. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yes. Um, no, no, I, I think I think that's very astute. I, I think it's it's an interesting microcosm of the show in general that Viserys is trapped in a situation he didn't ask for, being asked to do a very unpleasant task, doing it out of duty, and resenting everyone else for having been forced to do it. Like that and seems yet, to be. Though, Stu, this is, I don't know if it's that clear cut because he literally picked up heart poo and smelled it, and is like, "Yeah, mm. fresh." That's like, true. What? That's true. He did. <laughs> like why and why was he so keen to go on the hunt? It, I think I mean I know he was keen to kind of have the family all together and like look we're having adventures. He literally says that we're going on adventures in the Kingswood. So he kind of has this he, like he, he was literally that like like he was having he was having a big family barbecue basically. Yeah, <laughs> that's what it was. Was he Stu? You're a dad. Do you do that thing that all dads seem to do where it's like right now we're having family time and we're all going to enjoy each other's company in this confined location? Oh this- God, no, no, I. I <laughs> Don't I, I want them to go far away from me, please. Because <laughs> I remember as a kid when we would go, kids, we're going for a drive. Did you ever do that? Did you ever go for a drive? Well, we have gone for drives. I, I'm trying not to. We're just passing Father's Day as we as we record this, and I've been informed that I dressed like a dad. I um, mean, that was not my initial intention. Um, so, you know, apparently I've, 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 you can't help it. It's Your just DNA has altered. Me now. Yes, exactly. <laughs> My essential uh, essence has been altered fundamentally. Um, so apparently I, I just am I'm rocking dad couture now. Um, but um, but yes, there is, a, there is a certain impetus. I, I certainly found myself in, in the middle of the pandemic thinking to myself, you know, we should go for a drive. And it's like, what am I, what am I saying? What, what would that even be? Like just... <laughs> I think back in the day when petrol was much cheaper. Yes, and, it was a it was no. a viable, low cost alternative to literally doing anything else. <laughs> Let's go for a drive. We we'll go for a drive. And, Kids will go see their park. Yeah, we'll go. <laughs> and we would drive. You know, you'd go out and drive to some country, you know, town on the outskirts of the city or something, and have a sausage roll and mm. go for a small walk somewhere, and then you'd get back in the car and go home. Oh, we did say the fresh air. Oh, good for you. Oh, I can't remember. I can't remember if I've ever told this. I was going to say, I can't remember if I've ever told this story on Mike, and I don't know whether I've ever told you, Nat, but when the, a famous story in our, in our family is when I was a, a child, I have uh, a brother and two sisters, and so there's four kids in the family. My dad, at what, when we were young, packed us all in the car, mum, the four of us, and him, in the old, in, in, literally in a Kingswood, so you, could, you can't get more Australian than this, right? We drove what was then like a two-hour a, a two drive, from from our home in Brisbane up the M1 to the Big Pineapple, which is a you know a, a famous like a, tr- a street attraction uh, in Australia. For those of you who aren't aware, um, yeah, we have big it's just things. A, it's, a, it's a giant big pineapple, and the reason it's a big pineapple is because it's a pineapple farm. Dad thought it was free. Like he <laughs> he had read somewhere or heard somewhere that you can just go and wander around the pineapple farm, and and that'll be and you can just do that, and that's what the Big Pineapple is. 
And we got there and he realized that like you have to pay a nominal entry fee. And so instead of paying that fee, we got back in the car and we went home. Oh my God. So that's, 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 a, that's a total of four hours of driving time uh, for no reward whatsoever. <laughs> that is a famous story in our family. Uh, I don't know if you have a similar one, but that is definitely a thing. Why did he not pay for you to go in? He, yeah, that, that is my dad in a nutshell. He thought it was free. He turned <laughs> up. Someone said, oh, no, no, you've got to, you've got to pay to get in. He was like, well, that's unreasonable. So we got we, we went home. <laughs> but it's not it's not their fault that he had no, a I know, I know. But this is the thing. He's gone up there with the idea that, hang on, no, no, this is a free attraction. This is like a, a thing that we can just like be at and, and say we've done it. And then they're like, no, 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 you'll have to pay a small amount of money. Absolutely not, my father says. We turn around and we go home. Ah, uh, Dr. Late. He's, I mean, yes. Like he's a vet, you know. I mean, were you really hard up at the time? I mean, maybe you were. That's a personal question. Maybe. He um, oh, look, look, we, we were never. We, we were not a poor family, but you know, I think we, you know, there, there was a point where we were single income for for several years. But you know, that was when yeah. that was far more common back in the eighties and nineties. Yeah. Um, but it was very yeah. much. Um, it was very much just you know, dad wasn't into spending money if we if he didn't have to. So we would have we'd had to drive. We'd gone out. We'd had a look at the thing. He was like, you "Pay money? To- no, 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 no. Back in the car, everyone." <laughs> I'm going to have to edit out all of my laughing. I'm so sorry. It's <laughs> no, not at all. It's just such a. I'm trying to think it's a ridiculous of- story. It's a ridiculous story. We went for a drive. Yeah, that is, that is the ultimate. Let's go for a drive. We went for a drive <laughs> to the big pineapple. Realized it was a paid attraction, and then turned around and went home. But the like you how because we were I was only me and my brother we were just you know two kids we had four kids like how do you fit in a Kings was just a uh, like a station wagon isn't it uh, yeah yeah it's a station wagon so so you could fit three in the back and the, the my my youngest uh, sister because it, it was uh, bench seats in the front as well um, so you oh, would so just you would just the whack front. the yeah yeah whack whack the whack the fourth kid in the front between mum and dad oh no and was yeah it, it, it like was a packed old seats? car yeah. Sticky What's seats that? with no aircon. Yeah, yeah, no aircon. It's an old, it's an old Kingswood station yeah. wagon, so it was. It, it had like but those like, faux, those patent leather, like the not not leather, like it was vinyl seats. Vinyl seats, and they get really um, sticky. <clears throat> really sticky and really hot. Yeah, and so like the backs of your thighs just like stick to the and sweat to the. Absolutely. Because <laughs> you yeah, would have been in shorts, too. I assume you would have been in Absolutely. shorts. Absolutely, yeah. It was summer in the in in Queensland. <laughs> No aircon up the up the old Bruce Highway. The Bruce Highway. The old Bruce Highway. I, th- I think they they might have even been in the process of upgrading it, but but yeah. this was the but old. They're always in the process line. of upgrading yes, exactly, the Bruce yes. Highway. They are always the, the, Bruce upgrading highway the Bruce Highway. Is, highway. is the is Queensland's ship of Theseus. It is always being upgraded <laughs> because you, you fix one problem and then three more pop up like a hydra. It so is. You have to keep, I'm confusing my Greek metaphors there, but you you get what I mean. It's like yes. It, 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 to this day, you can get a pretty decent run to the Gold Coast. You can, but to the Sunshine Coast and back, just always seems to be accidents. It's nuts, so. But yeah, the old Bruce Highway. You're talking. Yeah, like, like I said, like, like now you you'd blow up there in about an hour or so. Like I think, like it, it's yeah. not it's not super far, but but like back in the day, it took about two. It's about it was about a two hour mm. drive and a slow drive at that mm. through some very boring country. Um, and. <laughs> But yeah. you got to see the pineapples, too. We, we got to see that big pineapple from on the other side of the fence that it sits behind. Yeah, did not get to go up in the pineapple. I, I, at some <laughs> point, at some point later in my life, because I know we eventually went back to the to the big pineapple 
and I got to go up inside the big pineapple. So like, I've definitely gone to the big pineapple and like had the full experience, which to be fair is not much more than what we got that day. But you know, it was, <laughs> it was very, I've spent entirely too long on a personal anecdote that there was literally a there and back again. Oh. It is, it is genius. But that's, I mean, I am sure that a lot of people, I'm trying to think of one now because we were always going on drives and stuff like that, but I've got the most terrible memory. I know that my dad would sometimes go, I, I saw a good park on the way home from work because he would get have to have <laughs> taxis to work and back sure. being a marine pilot. So if to, you know, you can't necessarily drive because you're going from one place to the other. So you have to taxi or whatever. And he'd go, I saw a good park. And I remember driving around the north side of Brisbane one day for about an hour looking for this one particular park that he'd seen, like a playground, park with a playground, because it was an impressive playground. Mm. And um, and we kept driving past this one park that he said, no, that's not it. That's not it. And eventually he went, no, I think that is it. And I'll never I'll never know <laughs> if, if, if it was the, the park and he just didn't recognise it or if he just decided, you know what, I've been driving too long. Let's just stop here and pretend it is. <laughs> um, but I, I would not be surprised if, if lots of people, if you have a dad story like that, you need to call in or tweet Please us do. with your dad story because we will read them out. We'll do a separate podcast where we just read out people's dad stories. <laughs> and I, <laughs> I wonder, Stu, you're a dad. I wonder if there's something where you're like, hang on, I'm the father and I'm I'm supposed to be the, the provider for this family. I'm supposed to know what it is we're doing and I've fucked up. <laughs> So now I have to pretend this was all part of the plan. <laughs> you have to let me know, Stu, if that's if that's what I, uh, you're start. You're I certainly start will. If, if that ever does happen, I've, I've had I've had pretty smooth sailing so far with any sort of family trips. But then uh, <laughs> the, the bulk of my daughter's literally half my daughter's life has been spent in in and out of lockdowns. Oh, that's a um, good point. So we've so we, we've avoided a lot of the early uh, pitfalls. <laughs> she's, she's been spared the uh, the drives. I think as yes. a baby, as a, like a little kid, it's probably fun. Uh, it's when you get to, you know, your what do you call your late ten, your early well, well, to, to the to the tween to the tween years to the tweens, yeah. So yes. it would be when I was eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, and you're like, oh god, I don't want to spend more time with my parents. I want to be in my room. I've got a radio there because I'm cool. <laughs> <in the> 90s. <laughs> and I've got a radio, and I've got oh, I've got to go for a drive. Oh, it's got to be educational. Oh, it's going to be good for me. I've got to go to fresh air. <laughs> so Viserys, essentially, to bring it back, was just a dad taking everyone, his massive court, absolutely for a drive. I will turn this horse and cart around if you don't stop <laughs> bitching and moaning about the about the but succession. He literally, like he literally forces Rhaenyra, who's like studying in the Godswood or something with a minstrel. She's basically got an iPod on repeat. It just happens. She, to she's literally listening to her to her iPod on repeat. That, that's what yeah. she's doing right then. Is great. And then the iPod is like, do I follow the princess or do I follow uh, yeah. the queen? <laughs> what happens I'm here? a confused iPod. Um, and so he forces her to go. It's like, is this the king's command? Well, it doesn't have to be. You know, Alison says, it doesn't have to be. You know, you could just agree. Like, it doesn't. Have, you don't have to be forced. And she's like, nah, I'm being forced. I'm a recalcitrant teenager. <laughs> oh, it's so funny it, it how is parents... Funny, yeah. It's funny because parents are trying to hold on to their kids and be like, no, 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 we've all got to spend time together because I know how precious life is and how quickly, you know, you age and you'll not want to spend time with me anymore. So I want to force you to love me and be in these situations <laughs> for as long as possible. And the kids are like, I hate you. I don't want anything to do with you. You're embarrassing. And the parent <laughs> is like, no, love me, love me. Please. And then I it just comes want everyone to get on. Yeah. I just, I just want everyone to get on. But it is it is quite funny. Um, 
how I have a much, much better relationship with my parents, obviously not living with them then. And (laughs) we always had a fine relationship where I had lovely parents and I'm very, very lucky to have them. Um, But my dad was always like, Natalie, do this, get over here, get up at 6am, get a job, go walk, save money, do things like productive, 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 because that's just (laughs) how he communicates love is just constantly telling you to clean your room and get a job. It's it's a thing. Um, he's a dad. What can I say? Um, but yeah, it, it doesn't take long to regress back into that relationship. It's like, oh, I'm a bit tired this morning. Well, you should go to bed early. Get up at 6am, go for a walk, clean your house. Mm. <laughs> That's a good use of time. <laughs> that is deeply unhelpful, but thank you. <laughs> no, no, it's just, that's just dad's way of dealing with things. Have you thought about going to bed early? Eat some roughage. That's pretty much the, <laughs> the salve for... <laughs> You having any problems? Any problem can be fixed with roughage. Everyone can fix with roughage and, and going to bed early. He's probably right, you know. The older yeah, I, I mean, get. I mean, older... it's not terrible advice, to be honest. Terrible advice. The older I get, and I did just have a colonoscopy, you know, it is probably a good thing to continue to have roughage. Absolutely. So, have you finished your list? I mean, I, I mean, look, look, basically, like, like I, I'd written down uh, Otto Schemes, and uh, Kristen points out that you might have problems, but you're still a princess, Rhaenyra. That that was my two final points. Yes, um, that was that was very good. And lots of people would like to have your position. She's like, yeah, but they've never held my position. And it was very, you know, the TikToker with 13 million followers. I was about to say, yeah, it's exactly that. It's like, oh my God, my life is so hard. And then she gets cancelled. Under a lot of pressure to make these videos. But they are, because now they have $13 million, $13 million, 13 million people looking at them for everything they do. It's like, oh, I Absolutely. just got sent... I just got sent all this free stuff, but I'm under a lot of pressure. <sighs> I just have more free stuff. Yeah, it's it. Yeah, it's like they're, they're not wrong, but also it's it's really weird to point that out. But anyway, yeah, <laughs> keep telling us about how how hard your life is when yeah. you just you know got thousands of dollars worth of free product at a time when people can't <laughs> pay for petrol and energy. You you mentioned Otto schemes. Yes, is that when he suggested that he should marry Renera to Aegon? That was Otto, wasn't it? Yes, that was Otto. Yes, yes, and 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 Viserys once again is like that. He's he's a two year old. <laughs> well, what are you talking about? But funnily enough, he didn't say they're brother and sister. No, he didn't because they're Targaryens. <laughs> um, because and that's Targaryens. a totally acceptable thing. A man ruling the a woman ruling ruling the Seven Kingdoms absolutely not on. It, it would break the realm in half. But brothers marrying sisters and and having lots of babies. Totally fine, not a problem. I mean, it's a, it's going to be a while to get heirs out of them. He's got to grow yes, up. Yes, they will have to wait a fair while. <laughs> They're going to have to get cracking when he does get to about fifteen or something. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I I do wonder with the incest thing because it hasn't really been because Viserys and Emma were not related, even though she did have the no. white hair. Yeah, she and, and that, that I feel like that confuses things because in the books she doesn't. And I'm not sure why they gave her the white hair mm. in this, because she wasn't she's not a Targaryen. She's um mm. uh she's from the Vale. Yeah. I I think they made a mistake in doing that because um or maybe they just wanted to show that oh yeah they're all blonde. But I, I, I think that was a bit of a mistake. Well well especially because if she like if she'd had related. Yeah, exactly. And if she'd if she'd had darker hair, she may have been more reminiscent of Alicent. Alicent maybe would have been more reminiscent of her. Oh, um, and you could get away with saying, "Oh, she reminds me of the yeah." Uh, the first. So I'm kind of I'm, I'm I wonder why they didn't do that. But anyway, it's yeah. So 
it just makes me think like where are they with incest at this point in the story it's a hundred years into the targaryen reign obviously early on Aegon was marrying his sisters but it doesn't seem to be a thing here but otto clearly seems to be okay with it yes <laughs> or maybe it's part of maybe he's he's, he's trying to jockey it because he's interesting this episode otto because he he recognizes that it's not a clean sweep to say Yep, he's got a son now, he's healthy, he's hit two years old, no problems, let's make him the heir. Otto is the one who goes, oh, it's not going to be that easy because he knows that Viserys is kind of, he's kind of a keep his promises guy. Yes, absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, and that, that's the thing, yeah, because that, that's his older brother, obviously, like the, the, the Lord Hightower. Yeah. Um, sort of saying to, to Otto that, you know, you need to you need to move on with stage two of the plan. And and he's like, well, you know, yes, but also like the king, like like you can see that while while he is a schemer, he also like he is Viserys's hand, and he takes that seriously. And he's like, mm. look, we have to move cautiously here. Like this isn't, yeah. you know, I know he's Viserys, and he's not going to, yeah, he's not going to yeah, just move a, on that for no reason. He's not a cookie cutter evil hand. He he is no cautious and he does think things through but at the same time he does then tell his daughter look you need to start telling Viserys that your son's the the one and she has morals which I really admire about Alison she does even though um I say this in my recap that most of her act like 87 percent of her acting in this episode is just stroking her pregnant belly (laughs) (laughs) yes there's a lot of belly work in this episode just so much stroking belly work it's like oh look I'm pregnant have you noticed that I'm pregnant this giant pillow shoved up under my dress is not a giveaway. <laughs> um, uh, but she, she, she's like, what about my son? I'm raising my son to ta- take his birthright, her, his sister's birthright away from her. Like she, she, she obviously has a moral compass, Alison. Well, she still, she still feels that, you know, like, like she, she feels as if she's betrayed Rhaenyra in, in some way. And, mm. And and she wants and she like Viserys wants to bring Rhaenyra back into the fold and, and she wants mm. her friend back. Yeah. You know, whereas Rhaenyra, somewhat understandably, is like, I want nothing to do with you. Yeah. <laughs> you're you're visibly pregnant with my dad's child. Like you're my mother now. Yeah. You're my mother in law. So gross. Basically. It's yeah. so gross. It's like we're all in the bold and the beautiful all of a sudden. It is <laughs> so gross. Uh, but yeah, it, it's, it, and she, but she does, Alicent sort of sticks up for an era, um, when they're all chatting with all the ladies at the hunt, um, which by the way, two of those ladies, I think one of them was a lady red wine. One, one of them was red wine and one of them was uh, Lannister. I think maybe it was, they are both from the 1995 version of Pride and Prejudice. Oh, really? Possibly, uh, per- is, I, I mean, I was going to say, is that a direct reference, or are there only so many like duchessy British actresses? <laughs> well, what's what's interesting is that I think it was Redwine, the one with the pug. She was Mrs. Gardner, who's like one of um, the aunts of Elizabeth. Also, Bennett. a house in Westeros, but there you go. Um, Gardner, House Gardner, is it? Is it? Yes. Oh, there you go. Uh, <laughs> the um, terrible. <laughs> Recap responded. Um, and then the woman who I, th- I, I if she wasn't Lannister, Lady Lannister, then she was someone else, but she was Mary Bennett. And that's what shook me because Mary Bennett was one of the Bennett sisters. But if that mm. actress was maybe in her mid to early, early to mid twenties, when Pride and Prejudice was shot, she probably would be late forties, early fifties now. But that's what made me go, how is Mary Bennett doing playing an older, oh wait, time. Time uh, yes, the, the passage of time. The passage of time. 
and then I felt really old for a sudden. And then I went, how funny that they should end up reunited playing uh, high lord, high ladies of Westeros. Yes, as they played uh, ladies of England in Pride and Prejudice. So, well, well, I mean that they have the experience. That's right. Um, less bloodthirsty though. Uh, House of the Dragon, I mean, Pride and Prejudice, way more bloodthirsty. <laughs> it's just constant stabbings. <laughs> Mr. Darcy has 5,000 a year. <laughs> Snap. Boom. Anyway, are you finished with your list? I've just been talking yes, shit, look, look, I realise. I, um, I, I'm done with my list. Let, let, let's say that. Okay. There, there was a I, – I mentioned Kristen quickly and, and there was obviously a quick little moment between him and Rhaenyra in this episode. He goes off after her after she runs off and they kill, They basically kill the boar together because he kind of runs, yeah. runs the boar through with her sword and then she stabs it viciously to death. Yeah, um, she goes full Lord of the Flies on that thing. She sure does. She sure does. Good, Paul. Yes, absolutely. Thank you. Um, I'm getting so literary this recap. It's just absolutely. George Orwell this. Is it William Golding, Lord of the Flies? I'm yep, just, William I'm Golding. Just, I'm all over the literary references this episode. <laughs> that's 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 the arts education that I got. Thank you. <laughs> I think we read Lord of the Flies at school. Everyone reads Lord of the Flies at school, so that was a nice moment. That I will, I will say that that uh, Kristen Cole was um, acted very charitably in that, uh, telling Rhaenyra that well, you do have some power because you made me a Kingsguard, and that's pretty cool. And my family's hmm. never risen to such an honor, so maybe think about that. Um, I'll just go through quickly some of the things I said, and then we can wrap it up. Uh, I said lots of animal metaphors. Obviously, the heart. We had the. Um, uh, we had the heart, we had the boar, which is obviously like the wildness, the unpredictability, and also the animal that kills Robert Baratheon. Which Robert Baratheon, exactly, I in in a similar was, hunt in the Kingswood. Mm, and it was a, you know, he got taken by surprise. And it was like, oh, okay, cool. But he, he Kristen and Rhaenyra survive it. So, and her cool kick-ass walk back into the village with, here, this is my boar, which is really cool. I talked about the exactly the same thing we, we discussed. Why was Damon angry and kicked the shit out of the messenger? <laughs> he literally shot the messenger. Uh, oh, yep, Rhaenyra fights the patriarchy and the boar. I said that. Alicent is preggers. Viserys will keep Rhaenyra as his heir. He makes that clear because he does have a waiver. He gets really drunk, as you said, family barbecue. He gets hammered yep. and he really starts thinking, has he done the wrong thing by keeping Rhaenyra? Like he tried to do it to do the right thing but he had this dream. Maybe what if he was wrong? So that seemed like his, have I done the wrong thing? But once he sobers up, he seems to be like, no, no, I appointed Rhaenyra my heir, anointed her my heir. She will be my heir. What do you make of that, Stu? It does seem to be a turnabout because he was so obsessed with having a boy. And that's what Rhaenyra, you know, she has this conflict with him through this episode where she keeps saying, no one's here for me. No one cares about me. You don't need me. You're going to replace me. She keeps saying all these things. And then he has to end up by saying, no, no, I, I wavered, but you're it, girl. <laughs> I think I think it's um it's another sign that at the end of the day, Viserys's main like motivation is to keep his family together and happy. Mm. Like, like that's that's his big motivation. He he promised his daughter that she would be heir, and then they had that lovely conversation. They have that lovely conversation where he sort of says, you know, you know, you've got to you've got to get married. This isn't like up for negotiation. Like you've got to get married. Mm. And then he's like, look. I'll, I'll stop poking my head in, which is which is insane. He's the king. Yeah. Like you know, he's he's got to, you know, she she's being fairly unreasonable in, in all of this. Like she has stated many times that she knows 
that she needs to do it. And yet she feels understandably kind of aggrieved that she's being barted off like a plaything because yeah. she thinks she's going to be passed over for the succession. And he kind of says, look, go, go and find a, find a husband, like figure out who you want and you can just have whoever you want and marry for love like I did. Yeah. You know, and it's like, that's but, but that not going to end, that's not gonna end that's, well. That's Alison's influence. Because yeah, exactly. That's Alison's influence. And I, and, and as they point out, as they say to each other, if he was truly committed to the idea of marrying for duty, he would have married Lena Valerian. Mm. Um, but he didn't, he, he married Alison. So, you know, it's, it is what it is. He, he is ultimately, uh, the type of man who wants to make his family happy. Yeah. And, you know, instead of keeping an eye on the realm, he is mostly concerned with making sure that no one's mad at him. Yeah, um, and he even says that to Alicent too, doesn't he? Has that lovely line yeah. where he says, it seems I must always anger one person to keep another happy. Yeah. And I had such a moment of <sighs> that line, like, hits, you know? Yes, yes. When you sort of go, oh, I'm always annoying someone or the other. I can't make anyone happy. And I'm sure a lot of people feel like that. And at the end of the day, like kudos to him for going with his own gut on that. I mean, yeah, it's going to be probably disastrous as we go along, but I appreciate that he stood up for his own personal moral code. Yes. Uh, but good men don't necessarily make good kings. That's right. Uh, speaking of good men, I just want to mention uh, two more things on my list. Uh, the first one is Lannisters. Yes, we, we see a Lannister. We see two Lannisters. Well, two Lannisters, well, rather, yes, three absolutely. if you count the mum. Um, but we saw Thailand, who is clearly the conscientious, and they're twins, I believe. So there's because I think they're yes. played by the same actor, or they're played by twins. I don't know. Um, but Thailand is the short-haired, conscientious on the king's small council. So given we've gone forward three years, obviously he's got new recruits. Uh, he is very, you know, hit. Look, we got business to attend to. Shit's going down. And then they go up to the Kingswood, and here's Jason Lannister. <laughs> Jason, Jay, I know yeah, Jason. Yeah, I, I know. I, I, I love, I love in Westeros how you will have like Daenerys and Daemon yeah. and 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 uh, you know Valerian, and then it's like and Jason. <laughs> and um, just every once in a while, there's a Jason walking <laughs> yeah. around. It was like Jamie, but at least Jamie had like spelling differences, so it sounded more, yes. fan, more yeah. fantasy. Uh, this is just Jason, and I just Jason and the Argonauts. You know, it's a historic. It's like a Greek name, I think, or has Greek roots, but it still is very funny because sure, but, but it is like- it, it, it clangs <laughs> as a as a very modern sounding name in a very yeah. fantasy setting. <laughs> Jason, um, <laughs> and he is like king of the douches. He's great. He's like immediately slimy and like, hey, come to my house. I'll make you a dragon pit. Come and live on Castle Rock. I've got it's great. so much money. I've got so much money. Cha-ching, cha-ching. Um, yeah, and he's the one who gives Viserys the spear and says, oh, yeah, we all assume that you're going to appoint Aegon your heir instead of Rhaenyra, so she can be compensated by coming and being my wife. Yay. Yes. <laughs> and Aegon's like, well, hang on, who told you that? Or who said, you know, who said that's how it was going to go? And he's like, uh, we all just thought. And yeah, Viserys was quite cool in that moment. But yes, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing more of Jason. Hopefully we'll see more of Jason. But Thailand, Thailand, I think I can get on board with Thailand. Like the actor, if it is one actor playing them both, because I I'm, I'm, I just quickly checked and it's the same guy playing both yeah. characters. So yeah. He's doing a great job. Like what a what a fun thing to do to have one who's like I'm yeah. a serious one and then one who's like, 
I am the queen, bitch. Worship me. Like <laughs> that is a fun role to have. Yeah, um, it certainly is. But I, I like, I like Thailand. I think he, he didn't seem to be an asshole. He seemed to have like a touch of the, a touch of the, the Taiwan kind of let's, let's important strategy and touch of the Tyrion. But he wasn't hmm. like an asshole like Tywin. Yeah, I, I enjoyed the the portrayal of Lannisters. I must say. I and think I was- I, I, my understanding is that Tyland, like he he's mentioned in Game of Thrones as like Tyrion is reminds people of Tyland Lannister, except for the fact that he's a dwarf. Oh wow! Okay. So, so there, there's definitely that that aspect of it. So so yeah yeah yeah. J- Jason Smart. Jason Lannister is a bit of a bit of an idiot. Um, and and he is the older twin, so so technically yes. he's the he's yes, the the, he's the, the, the the heir the heir to the, the to, to Castle Rock, first. yeah, yeah, basically. Um, but yeah. Tyler Lannister is um is the brains behind the operation for sure. No, it was really it was really good. I enjoyed that. So I'm like, I think I can get on board with Tyler Lannister. Yeah, I'm I can go on that ride. You know, we got Christopher, <laughs> we got Tyler Lannister. Could be competition. Just saying. There we go. He seems to, well, he seems to have his shit together, you know? He seems to kind of know, like, we've got to act. And Viserys is like, not now, not now. Let's talk about happy things. And he's like, no, really, we need to do this. And I was like, I appreciate that directness. <laughs> but there's no Jon Snow as of yet, clearly, Stu. The, um, there there is, I mean, like, the closest we have, I guess, is is Matt Smith, isn't it? Like, as a, as, but but it's he's not a Jon Snow Time. Oh God, he's not a Jon Snow. No, he's like he's he's I guess adventurous and spirited and whatnot, but he's also I mean is is Kristen in the Jon Snow realm? Kristen's in the realm because he's like the problem is he wears a helmet, so if you look at his hair, it's really greasy. Yes. It's just really flat. He needs some volume texture spray. Um, <laughs> you know, maybe a perm just to get some curls happening. Like a, a rugged perm. But still a perm. Uh, but he, he's there. He's got like some common sense. He's got a bit of a man of the people about him. He obviously, he was low born. So he's not a bastard, but he's low born. So yeah, he's got potential. He's just got to come. There's just something more's got to got to give. We've got to see some, either some angst. I, I don't think he's angsty though. He seems to be quite happy with his lot. That's what Jon Snow brings is the angst. Hmm, that's very okay. much all of his own. He, just the massive chip on his shoulder about being a bastard. That's that's what we get to see from anyone. So Yes. <laughs> I'm so stupid. Oh, I'm just uh, yeah. No, I'm just going to sit and watch this show until I can find someone to obsess over. It's going to be great. <laughs> hey, people have watched uh, worse shows for worse reasons. <laughs> this is what's expected of me. I feel like I need to deliver, but you know, it's got to be right. You know, it can't just be forced. It's got to be right. <laughs> It'll happen. It didn't happen straight away with Jon Snow. It took a while. Oh, sorry. Last thing I just want to mention, because it was the first thing that happened and I loved it. Let's round off with this. Oh, the yes. The freaking dragon stomp, man. The guy yeah, yeah. That was great. The dragon foot. He's like, uh, yeah, you're in trouble now. Uh, that's going to happen. Oh, no, I've been stepped on. <laughs> he says, my prince, come and save me. Boom. Like the foot <laughs> in the Monty Python cut. Yes. Just, da- Damon well, is not coming to save you. Oh, I loved I loved that so much. Like I, I said in my recap, it's it's simultaneously the most intense and the most hilarious death in Game of Thrones. Yeah. Like just oh I, I very much enjoyed that. And I now want to die in the same way. I would like to be stepped on by a dragon. I will not allow myself to leave this world in any other way. So 
death, you must find a dragon and have it step on me. And it can't be a cheat. It can't be a Komodo dragon or a bearded dragon or a member of Dragon, the Australian New Zealand pop rock band. I don't want which was the hunter <laughs> yeah. brother who didn't die. I don't want one of the Cover, hunter covering brothers. Covering all the bases. I don't want the hunter brother who's still alive to come and sit on me while singing Those Were the Young Years. That is not a dragon sitting that I need it's got to be a proper dragon. So therefore I will live forever. <laughs> no Macbeth style man of woman born trickery, all right? It's got to be an actual scaly dragon breathing fire. It can't be a nickname <laughs> for something. It can't be like, oh this is our big blowtorch that we call the dragon. None of that. It's got to be a dragon from Game of Thrones dragon and not like a actual bona fide dragon. Bona fide come to life fantasy era dragon. No cheats. All right. If you think, if you, if you've been sitting here going, Oh, what's another dragon I could throw at Natalie. That's it. You're going to tweet me at girl clumsy. I know you are, but you're going to be wrong because I'm putting a blanket, nothing else, no cheats. But you know, if you think of one, you can tweet me and then I will yell, (laughs) you're wrong. If you would like to tweet, Stew, you can also do that at Disco Stew. He doesn't need to advertise, so I do it for him. Facebook.com slash Natalie's Throne is the Facebook page. And, of course, the main important thing that I have to pimp is Patreon.com slash Girl Clumsy. My wonderful, wonderful patrons, thank you so much for all of your support. Uh, it is really incredible to have people back on board and um, I should say to have people staying with me and new people coming on board to you know, help support the podcast and the recaps. It's amazing of you. I have a domain name renewal in a week, so that is taken care of thanks to the wonderful support of the patrons. Uh, not insignificant amounts of money, these things. So the the Patreon money is very, very, very much appreciated. And if you are in Sydney, Australia, the Harbour Bridge City, you know the one, it's in all the postcards, I am taking my show, Titanic the Movie the Play, to the Sydney Fringe. It is being performed at the Australian National Maritime Museum on Darling Harbour. It is going to be fantastic. It starts on Thursday the 15th of September and it goes to the 2nd of October uh, and I will be there. Stu and I will be podcasting across state lines for a few (laughs) weeks. And uh, next week after episode four, we will endeavor to be as on time with everything as we can, but that is my bump in week. So I will be helter skelter getting a boat and props and an iceberg and all sorts of things into place and rehearsing with my cast because I have a local Sydney cast and we've been rehearsing remotely. So we'll all be getting together and putting it together. And so it's going to be a bit of a crazy time. So if podcast is slightly late next week, recap slightly late, that is why I'm just warning everybody now I have to do that work because it's that's the only time. So it, it will come. It just may be slightly later, but I will endeavor to do my best to, to get it to you on time. But as you know, the recaps take time to write, the podcasts yeah. take time to record and edit, uh, but we will make it happen. After that, it will be pretty smooth sailing because the show will be up and running and I have my Mondays and Tuesdays to work on House of the Dragon stuff back. But yes, it's just next week. So around the 12th, 13th, 14th uh, is when there might be some disruption. So thank you very much for your patience in advance. Stu, as always, thank you for your insights, for your wonderful nostalgic memories of your dad, for your... (laughs) 
for your insightful takes on the Lord of the Rings, the Rings of Power. Uh, so yes, please tweet us, please message us, please get in touch with your theories, with your dad drive stories, anything else, with your <laughs> dragon that might kill me stories. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. And as we always like to say, Vala Mogulis. The dragons will dance. Ooh. <laughs>